Welcome back to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. My name's Dr. Mikla Benson. In today's episode, I'm going to be in conversation with Melanie Newman. Melanie is a PhD candidate in British Studies at the University of Humboldt. The focus of her research has been on British and Irish migrant populations living in Berlin. She specifically looks at their decision to migrate, the lives that they lead in the city and their impact on the city. She's written an excellent blog for us about her experiences of doing research with British people living in the city at the time of the EU referendum and its immediate aftermath. And you can read that on our website, www.brexitbritsabroad.com. Today, we're going to focus a little bit on dispelling some of those myths that have been circulating about British people in Berlin. And you can find out more in a few minutes. But before I hand over to Melanie to talk about British people in Berlin and Brexit, I thought I'd just bring you up to date with a little bit of news from the project. The project's been running since the beginning of June. This is our 14th podcast. But at the same time, the project's about so much more than the podcasts. In the last five months, I have been in France, both in the Lot and in Toulouse, for something in the region of two months. I've been there talking with British people who've made these parts of France their home. I've spoken to somewhere in the region of 100 people. That's probably a conservative estimate. Karen's also been in Spain speaking with British people who've made Spain their homes about what Brexit means to and for them. And we have been astonished by the extent to which people are prepared to engage with the project and by the diversity of the stories that we're being told about how Brexit impacts on their lives. Catherine and Chantelle have been working really, really hard on the citizens panel and we're really excited that we've now got 150 people, over 150 people in fact, signed up to take part in this element of the project. And for those of you who don't know about this particular aspect of the research, this is an ongoing element of the research and the panel will be called upon at regular intervals to comment on various different things that we think are coming up through Brexit. And this month, for example, we've been running a Mythbusters focus um, where we've been asking people to report to us the misconceptions that they have been faced with about British people living in the EU 27 and we're planning to make a podcast special over the Christmas period that talks to some of those myths and tries to bust them. As the project's progressed it's become really really clear that one of our key messages that Karen and I have always been very very keen to promote is about the diversity of the British population who live in the EU 27. All too often, we think that particular populations become overrepresented. So, for example, I'm sure that all of you are very, very familiar with the image of British pensioners living in the south of Spain. We now know that pensioners actually only account for about 21% of British people living in the EU 27 and we're really keen 
as Brexit continues to unfold, as the negotiations around citizens' rights continue, that the full diversity of that population are represented with full consideration of the likely differential impacts of Brexit for the things that support the lives of these people. So we'll be working really, really hard in the new year on communicating further around the diversity of that population and in thinking about the different rights and different legislations that support the lives that these people lead. So what have we got coming up then apart from that? We're going to be carrying on doing research in France and Spain. Catherine and Chantelle will be continuing their excellent work on the Citizens Panel and communicating around the issues relating to British people living in the EU27 and Brexit over the coming months. Anyway, I'll hand over to my discussion with Melanie now. Thank you to everyone for listening. It's really great to know that you're all out there. And please do get in touch with us if there are things that you think that you would like us to cover on the show. Anyway, over to Melanie now to talk about British people in Berlin and Brexit. I wondered, Melanie, if you might like to start by describing your PhD research to us. Um, Yeah, I'm basically looking at recent British and Irish migration to Berlin. So Irish and British migrants that have come to Berlin between 2006 and 2016 and who still live in Berlin now. And I basically want to find out why they've come to Berlin what they're doing here and um, if and how they contribute to the city in an economical, cultural and political sense. So tell us a little bit about how you've been approaching that topic. Well, I've moved to Berlin in 2010 and over the years I started that the British and Irish presence in Berlin was growing. And then uh, I had to look at the numbers and I realized that indeed it was. And um, for example, the British in 2016, there were around 15,000 Brits living in Berlin, and there has been an 80% increase since uh, 2000. And even though there is about as many Brits as Spanish people in Berlin, I realized that there wasn't really any research on the British in Berlin, but quite a lot on the Spanish in Berlin. That's really interesting. What might explain that rise in British people moving to Berlin? There have been quite a lot of articles in the British newspapers about particularly young people who work in the creative industries moving to Berlin because of its cheap way of life and its fun kind of uh, entertainment culture and all of these types of things. So do you think that's a fair representation? Um, well, actually, there is loads of uh, stereotypes in Berlin about the British or um, English native speakers in Berlin in general as well. And um, usually the picture that you get is that uh, Brits are just sitting in cafes all day working on some sort of project and um, partying all night, kind of driving up the rents and living in their own um, expat bubble without really having any contact to the German speakers in Berlin. I can see but, Emma's uh, nodding her head. She re- she <laughs> recognises that, um, that uh, particular representation. But I know through talking to you previously that this might might be a little bit of an exaggeration. Yeah, exactly. Like in my research, I uh, actually found out that, um, well, it's not really the opposite, but it's uh, slightly different. For example, I've asked the British in my survey, how much they're working. And it turned out that actually, on average, the British in Berlin work seven and a half 
hours per day during the week, which is about the same as the Germans. And then also looking at the occupations that they have in Berlin, actually about 40% of them work in the professional occupations and um, an additional 14 even works in managerial, directorial and senior official positions. So what kind of jobs are those? What kind of jobs are you talking about? um, Well, for example, engineers, doctors, journalists, um, quite a lot of freelancers as well, especially in translation. And then, of course, there is also some people working in the startup industry, especially in IT, but also um, in sales and customer care positions. So um, it's far more mixed than uh, many people often think. And I suppose one, I'm quite interested, I I hadn't quite realised that the focus of the research was also on what they contribute to the city. Because I think that part of that representation, part of that stereotype about British people in Germany is about how they're pushing up the cost of property in some of those areas that are being gentrified, which is a very particular type of evaluation of what they are doing to the city. So I wondered if you had a little bit more that you wanted to say about where you see these British people um, contributing to the city. Um, yeah, well, I asked them if they feel that they contributed to the city. And um, about 30% say that they feel that they contribute economically, for example. Well, some of them said just by paying tax, which of course is a contribution. But then um, others also because they were, for example, founding their own uh, company in Berlin. And um, also 30% said that they were contributing culturally, for example, by uh, being musicians in Berlin or actors. And then also 16% said that they were contributing politically, for example, by uh, being members of a party or uh, taking part or even organizing um, political marches or political events in Berlin. So like on a municipal level type of politics? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, So what do you think it is that's brought this 15,000 strong population to Berlin? Um, I think part of the reason is um, kind of these articles and these stereotypes that you were talking about, that um, about life in Berlin. And um, I do think that like many of the British that come to Berlin, especially the younger ones without a family, do, of course, come to Berlin for the lifestyle and the freedom and maybe also the partying and the fun. And the many of them also um, in my interviews often refer to Berlin as some kind of Neverland where you don't have to grow up. And this is part of what drives them to Berlin. But then, of course, they once they're here, they still need a job and they still need to pay their rent. And um, I think they also come to Berlin because it's just that it's easier in Berlin to um, afford this kind of lifestyle. So you can afford to work less, but that doesn't equal just partying. It's more about being able to do both working and earning money, but also enjoying life and experimenting and finding out what one really wants in life and maybe even um, growing up a bit later, for example. And um, I spoke to one respondent in my um, interviews and he's a freelance radio producer and um, broadcaster. 
And he, for example, even though he's working in radio production in Berlin, he's still able to do music and write poetry and hold poetry readings. And this is something that he wouldn't have had the time or the energy for in London, for example. So I think this, um, this better life work balance and this better quality of life is what um, brings most Brits to Berlin. And this is also what they said in the questionnaire. That's really interesting, I suppose. In a way, it kind of confirms some of the things that we think about Berlin, I suppose, would be the, the way to put it. Obviously, while you've been doing your research, the referendum has happened. Um, and I know that at that time you were still doing research with British people in Berlin, and, and you've written a little bit about that for us. But did you notice any kind of changes to those British populations? Or, um, you know, did people go back? Or, or what have been the responses, I suppose? Well, I guess in terms of... Uh... Going back, I think most of them were quite happy that they were in Berlin and they felt that it was better for them to be in Berlin and now also to stay in Berlin, especially um, the ones that had kids thought that for their kids it would be much better to um, stay in Berlin. And in terms of um, if anything has changed in the British population in Berlin, I think since Brexit, they've become um, much more visible, like they organize quite a lot of events around um, Brexit, but also other political events. For example, there is going to be an event organized by the British in Berlin soon in which they um, inform the other Brits um, about the election that is going on in Germany at the moment and what the election means and what the possible outcomes are and what that would mean for the Brits in Berlin, for example. So I think they've become um, much more visible. And I think that also maybe the Berlin um, Senate has become much more interested in them, for example, especially in terms of um, enticing them to stay in Berlin as a kind of source of um, skilled workers that have come into Berlin. So what, when you say, you know, the Senate's become much more interested in them, what indicates that to you? What, what's the signs that they're try turning to reassure their British population, for example? Um, well, many Brits that I have talked to told me that they feel that there is a fast tracking of British citizenship applications in uh, Berlin, for example. They've said that they've spoken to um, other Brits that live, for example, in Bavaria, and that there the application for German citizenship would take much longer to be processed than in Berlin. So they're processed on a municipal level, those applications? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And are you seeing in, in your conversations with these British people, um, are you seeing an, an increased number of them applying for citizenship? Was this something that you discussed with them before the referendum or, or not? And uh, No, I haven't really discussed it with them before the referendum, but um, talking to them after the referendum, quite a lot said that they would have never considered applying for German citizenship, but now... Uh, they do and they will apply and especially um, if they apply now they can still have dual citizenship like they can keep their British one and still have the German one if they do it before Brexit actually happens so the ones that are eligible for German citizenship already just try to do it as soon as possible so they at least can have the dual one and don't have to decide for one which might be hard for quite a lot of them. I think what's really, really interesting about your PhD is also this comparison with the Irish in Berlin. 
I, I suppose it would be interesting to hear from you whether you think that there are noticeable similarities or differences between those two populations. I mean, obviously, Brexit is, is a kind of spectre that haunts the British who live in Berlin. But beyond that, their kind of everyday lives, are there similarities in the constitution of that population, of the Irish population and the British population? Is it similarly diverse? Um, has it risen in the same way since, um, since I think you said, since 2000? Is that true of the Irish population too? Uh, yeah, actually, they're quite uh, similar in most of the points. Um, although there is only about 3,000 Irish living in Berlin, but yet um, the migration is on a constant rise as well. And it has also risen by around 80% since the 2000s. Um, one that I thought was uh, really interesting and surprising, like one of the main differences, was that the Irish seem to be more peripatetic. Like um, only 37% of the Irish in my sample that live in Berlin now have come to Berlin directly from Ireland, but most of them have lived somewhere else before coming to Berlin. And for the British, um, 86% of them have come directly from Britain without having lived anywhere else before, which I thought was really interesting. That's quite unusual as well, I would have thought, for British migrant populations. I'm not sure on the actual statistics, but I would have thought that was quite unusual. That's a very high percentage of people who've never lived outside of the UK to be moving to to Berlin. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to say that uh, I had only 150 responses in my questionnaire, so yes. I'm not sure <laughs> how representative it is for like the whole population in Berlin, but at least for my sample, that are the numbers. Yeah. What do you think is the most surprising thing that people might like to know about British people who live in Berlin? Um, well, I think the most surprising facts were the ones that we already talked about, that actually this kind of myth about the British in Berlin is not really true, but that they work, um, like most of them work in the higher end of the occupation spectrum, so to say. And um, also what I found really interesting as well was that um, actually around 50% of them said that they had at least basic German before coming to Berlin. And then also quite a lot of them said that they use German over 90% of their daily encounters, which um, is also surprising because um, in Berlin, most people think that the British in Berlin actually don't really speak German. And I know some people who have been living in Berlin for like seven years and don't speak a word of German. But it seems that still like most of them try to make an effort and actually try to learn as much German as possible. Is that also related to the fact that they're having to work in a German labor force? Yeah, but um, most of them said that they um, work through English, so they wouldn't have to um, know German that well to find them work in Berlin. But I guess that's just very special about Berlin, that in most companies here, the working language would be English, especially in the startups. And did they explain to you how they had learned German? Uh, yeah, actually quite a few of the people I talked to in my interviews, they had studied German, so they would know German from like university. But um, then the ones who didn't know German before coming here, they um, started taking some courses then here in Berlin or um, try talking German with their German friends, for example. Because I think that that's another one of the myths about British populations who live abroad is precisely that they don't speak the languages of the countries that they live in. And we see this recycled over and over again as a 
as a kind of representation. It's interesting to hear that in this case that that's perhaps not true. Obviously, as you said, there may be some people within the population who um, don't have those language abilities, but others are really either making an effort or, or are there using their, their German in their daily lives. Um, yeah, especially um, sorry, especially now when they want to apply for a German citizenship, they need to show that they have a certain level of German. So um, some of the people I've talked to also underlined that, that they're now trying to become more fluent in German in order to be able to apply for German citizenship now after Brexit. And that German citizenship is to enable them to stay in Berlin or, or are they explaining it in other terms? No, for most of them, um, it's to be able to stay in Berlin, yeah. And then also, of course, to be able to move around the EU, but mainly to um, stay in Berlin and to be sure to um, keep their job and these kind of things in Berlin. Okay, that's great. Thank you very much, Melanie. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Brexit Brits Abroad podcast. If you've enjoyed what we've been talking about today and want to find out more, check out our website www.brexitbritsabroad.com or you can follow us on social media via Twitter at BrexPatsEU and on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And I'll speak to you again soon.